card preview start on the 17th of January. Hmm. Well, we do have an episode with Jesse scheduled for the 17th because that's right after the NRG, but... It is also the literal first day of preview, so it's like... Okay, well, yeah, that is perfect then. (laughs) We're not going to have that much to... Or it'll be a lot of versions of a few cards. Which, yeah, we already have. We have five cards spoiled and like eight versions of each of them. Hey, I really like the basic lands. I kind of want to replace my cube basic lands with that set. Yeah, they look it. so cool. good. Not the Kaldheim ones, the ones in the set. The Phyrexian ones? Yes. Yeah, the ones that are like modeled after the, the Predators and they look super cool. They've got the sun in the background. Also, the, the way the frame works on this land, I really like. It's got the like symbol at the bottom left. It, it's clean. Yeah, I just I'm glad they finally followed through their full art in every set that they should have done since Amonkhet. <laughs> Even if I think the Brothers War ones look kind of goofy, but like that's the whole point, though, right? Is like some of them will not be to your taste, so then you wait for the next set to see if they come out with ones that you like. Yeah, they remind me that the Brothers War ones remind me of the Godzilla ones, where it's like here's an island, but it's really just a giant mech in a in a bunch of water. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but some people really like kaiju, and I think that that's, or, you know, or robots or whatever, you know, I, I think that there's an audience for it, so cool that yeah, they exist. Sure. I just, I I drafted uh, the last, before the holidays, FNM. Yeah, I've drafted it a lot, but not in paper a single time. It was fun. My deck was yeah. terrible. I was, uh, I was a green-white with splashing Teferi. <laughs> <laughs> My fixing was great though, but it didn't matter because I dropped it. I dropped it one and one to play trivia, which we <laughs> got a perfect score on. That's yeah, very impressive. That was very easy. The, whoever wrote the questions that night did not yeah. do it. They weren't trying to win. <laughs> the goal of any trivia writer should be to win the trivia. <laughs> well, it should be to create separation between the yeah. teams. Like right? there were so. four teams with thirty-nine points out of forty. And we were the team with yeah. that sense. Like, okay, this was too All easy. Right. Probably a little <laughs> too easy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 275 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Rappel. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Well, hi, Chris. How you doing? Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Looking forward our... to 2024 already. <laughs> the first three days of 2023 have been that bad, huh? No, they just haven't gotten everything done I wanted to get done. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's just normal. That's just how life is. At least that's how life as an ADHD haver is. So I don't know. I assume some people don't have that experience, but I certainly don't. As long as I can pretend next year is going to be better, it doesn't make this year seem as bad. I think you're better served taking it a day at a time rather than a year at a time. You're really going to lose some lose some hours that way. What are we going to do today, I guess? Aha, perfect. Well, today we're going to look back. We're going to look forward. So we're going to talk about the year that was. And I think mostly just talk about like the sets that came out and sort of our our thoughts on them. Everybody's done this show already, but we're also going to do it. And then we're going to look forward some, just kind of talk about things to come in 2023, magic wise, and also kind of like 
for the podcast and other stuff we've got going on and just kind of have a chill catching up show while we share some of our thoughts and then some of our plans. Maybe some thoughts about the state of the game and whatever sort of comes up as well. Try to keep it from being like too complainy. I don't, my my complaints are pretty low at the moment. Like most of my yeah. complaints are just, I think things could be better rather than things are terrible right now. Sure. We're going to try to be a little bit different. I mean, you know, Dominaria's Judgment did their looking back on all of the sets. Uh, Arena Decklist did their looking back at the whole 2022 timeline of things that happened in Magic. I think we just kind of want to talk about the things that were important to us and our magic experiences over the course of the year. Mostly the set releases and then stuff with organized play coming back and playing RCQs and regionals and then whatever kind of comes up alongside that. But maybe we just start with the set releases and go through them with our evaluations. Before we jump into like Kamigawa, I guess, can Mm. I say I've listened to, you know, those wrap up shows. And can I say how weird it is now that like measuring sets like standard release sets as benchmarks when they like have wildly varying or to no impact to what people are playing? It's so weird. Yeah, I mean, when there's no standard. Yeah, right. Like the standard exists on arena and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and only if you choose to engage with it and it is easily ignorable if you don't. Right. When like a set like Streets of New Capenna comes out you have the triomes and ledger shredder like injected into modern and that's like it yeah don't forget unlicensed hearse and unlicensed hearse i did forget that card was in that set (laughs) those are the seven cards from streets of new capetta and some of the triomes don't really count well they count for completion's sake like people want right so but you're not you're not fetching a lot of the naya triome in modern is all well actually i don't know how four color works so you know not fetching a lot of Xander's Lounge, except if you're a Xander's Lounge enthusiast, which of course, mm-hmm. you know, some people can't get away from Grixis, so. Xander's Lounge, very important in standard, so for whatever that's worth. Again, very little. <laughs> I guess until the Pro Tour comes out, which is standard, uh, this this upcoming one. The, the second one is standard, right? Yeah, oh, sorry, yes, not the Pro Tour that everyone's already done the RCs for, but the one. Right. The next regionals and then the pro tour are standard yep pt philly is pioneer pt question mark is standard so looking at sets we come into the year with a banger kamigawa neon dynasty i was excited for this set as soon as they like the the little spoiler of like wizards of the coast has registered a trademark called kamigawa neon dynasty uh as soon as like i heard that name i was like the set's either going to be amazing or it's going to be like utter trash and i'm like pretty confident that something very cool is going to come out of it and fortunately it did uh this is like my favorite aesthetically and just like content wise like one of my favorite sets of the past couple of years they really started off with a bang here because i think kamigawa neon dynasty is not only the best set this year it's probably the best set in the last like five years or so (laughs) it's really good uh I didn't share your optimism when the trademark was registered because it sounded super goofy to me, but it did. I I just the cadence of the name and the the like concept of the Neon Dynasty. I, and, uh, 
It's just great. And, you know, I became skeptical once I heard, like, it's a cyberpunk set. And it's like, okay, well, the, like, core conceit of cyberpunk is anti-corporatism. And are they actually going to pull it off? And, like, kind of no. Like, that wasn't really, like, a thing. It was more aesthetics than, like, anything else. Yeah. But Magic is not really a game about a really nuanced, complex storyline with interesting character arcs and like like i don't play magic for the plot so honestly the, <laughs> it's it's rare you get people who play magic just for the plot uh, art does draw on a lot of people though yeah and the art for this set was extraordinary it was very good i i, I was actually i don't like the cyberpunk aesthetic that much so i personally really enjoyed how they merged the old kamigawa and like modernized it like, mm-hmm. I think the Wandering Emperor's art, just like the yeah, base card wonderful. art, is incredibly good. And it's very classic Kamigawa. Yeah, well, and I mean, you know, we have this kind of impression now of, like, what cyberpunk looks like a lot from, like, the game cyberpunk. But it encompasses a lot of styles, and that's a big part of it. Like, you know, cyberpunk is a compound word. You have your cyber, but you have your punk, and it is a, like, melding of technology and classic dirty grungy stuff basically uh whatever came before and i think that putting it in this japanese aesthetic they really were able to make some really cool stuff i love like even just like the commons like i think about the hover bike like once every week or so it just like pops into my head the ninjas all look really good the futurist yeah the ninjas look great uh kaito Um, shizuki's like tanuki drone is neat i do like that and, and, you know, like, aesthetics, fantastic, but then really cool stuff came out of the set, too. Like, Kaido Shizuki's card design, excellent. Like, an excellent three-mana planeswalker that sees play is good, but is rarely, like, the gameplay that happens around it is very fun and interesting. Yeah, I mean, so is the Wandering Emperor for that, you know, for what it's worth. Yeah. I also do like uh, Tamiyo in this set. I think all three planeswalkers were home runs, but Tamiyo's not that good. It's just right. the design is cool. So, yes, I and it's funny, the I think a common thread that ran through some of the other content looking back on the year talking about Kamigawa Neon Dynasty was noting like, you know, people really love this set. And I just want to go on record saying that, like, I am one of people. I love this set. I think it's incredibly cool. And and that's just my subjective opinion. I think this set is great. I at first i was disappointed there was not a lot of spirit stuff like in the previous kamigawa but the way they did the artifact enchantment themes throughout the set i think Mm -hmm. really made up for it it was really good and carried forth a lot more than you know like spirit tribal would you know like artifacts and chants are in every set so good job yeah (laughs) i do agree with ari's take to some extent on the sagas i think some of the sagas that came out of the are just like individually really cool cards i think the conceit where they all turn into creatures was probably not one that i would have leaned into in that way because it just it does turn them all into i I think like the majority of problem cards that we've gotten over the past couple of years are these cards that are like hybrid muldrifter baneslayer angels and sagas that turn into creatures just are inherently Muldrifter Baneslayer Angels if the backside is, like, decent at all. And so with a card like Fable of the Mirror Breaker, like, that's what you get. So regarding the sagas, 
I think having sagas, the card type in Kamigawa is good because there is a lot of history going on there. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't know why they needed to be all creatures on the back. There was, I think they could have been if there was like some set payoff for it. There just wasn't. It was like ninjutsu. That was it. Right. It's just, and, and in limited at the common level, like the, the two mana saga that looted twice and then gives you a two, three flyer, like that synergy shown through. And like, that was really cool, but there's not really a reason that you're kind of pushed. Like that could rare be a ones. creature, but why is this right. random green rare creature, you know? Yeah. And, and probably that didn't need to be the way that they all worked, except that I guess once you've committed to having trans, you know, double-sided cards in the set, and then you're making your sagas double-sided, it may be like a, you know, printing thing but ultimately it did create this sort of like burden on the design where they all had to transform into a creature and i think it probably restricted the freedom of what you could do with the sagas a little bit yeah i don't i don't want to blame the saga card type or design because i I think they're fine they worked in dominaria still oh yeah no no i i what i'm saying is make forcing them all to transform into creatures as the last thing probably reduced what you could do with them and, yeah i mean to know. me fable of mirror breaker and something like wedding announcement are pretty similar just like you know fable mm-hmm. of mirror breakers raised in scope a lot it's just like this value card that makes creatures and it just does it all in one and like fable does that and Mir- wedding invitation came out wedding announcement came out the uh the set prior mm-hmm. it's just like yeah these are spaces of design i'm getting tired of yeah just like on board value every turn until, but still got some cool designs out of the sagas and some like really evocative concepts. So that's definitely like, if this is the like most obnoxious thing to come out of the set. And I think the set would be lesser without some of them, at least. Oh, I think both Sage is the most obnoxious card to come out of the set. I guess that's probably true. <laughs> I, I can agree in a world where Baseju is good in some regards, but I think it really needed to hit one, either artifacts or enchantments instead of mm-hmm. like everything. <laughs> but you know, that that's nitpicking. I, I just, Baseju is very strong. Very, it's very really free. strong. Yeah. It feels like it should cost an extra mana or two on there. Yep. And every time someone casts it or channels it with the cost reduction, I, it just throws me off. <laughs> I just yeah. never see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any more thoughts about Kamigawa Neon Dynasty? No, it's great. I love, what was the modify? Modification? That, that, that keyword yeah. with equipment? It's great. I really enjoyed it. I hope it or Living Weapon or in some form comes back in Euphorexia. I think it was like a fantastic creature slash equipment mechanic where... If you're going to print cards like the stupid, the red-white uncommon that gets bigger for each equipment you have, mm-hmm. uh, you got to have equipment that aren't just like sitting on the board doing nothing. And the modification yes. creatures are really cool for that. Reconfigure. Reconfigure. Thank you. Word. Yeah. Modify is... Is the other the, one. Right. Shorthand for like, if it's got anything attached to it. Yeah. If you're reconfigured with something, you are modified, but... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. No, reconfigure is super cool. And I loved like the the monkey in limited simian the, slang, like i think simian slang yeah well it's just one of my favorite design cards and like a, th- there is this interesting trend in limited that has been going on for 
a couple of years now, and there's a lot more playable one-drops in these sets, and it becomes then important to have some number of them in your deck, depending on, like, kind of which archetype and which macro strategy you're pursuing. I mean, I like that because I like having the flexibility that having these cheap cards in my deck that are valuable and do things over the course of the game. I like what that gives me, but it does create some games where just like the pressure exerted by the, your opponent's cheap cards is it becomes very difficult to keep up. I do like playing with cards like Slim, Simeon Sling. No, yeah, this is, I don't really have much to add to that. Just, I wish they would do more one drops that were like pioneerish legal. Mm-hmm. I, I would like Pioneer to be a little less clunky, I guess. But maybe right. there are other reasons for it being clunky too. Like if things get yeah. all smoothed out, treasure crew and dig through time are still legal, like that sort of stuff. Right. If you start putting thought scour in the set or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh next up, Streets of New Capenna. I, there was some potential here, but did not have an evocative feel. Can I in any way? Can I push back on this? Like what potential did you think this set had? I I mean mostly the art deco aesthetic. Okay. I, I'm really into fair. that look. But Gangster World is not something that I think is easy to deliver on and also makes very little sense in the context of Magic the Gathering. Uh, putting all the Planeswalkers in formal wear was excellent. Yeah, that's uh, a great that idea. That is literally the only thing this set did well. <laughs> I don't think that it really... It had the feeling that it was... And I don't know if I have specific examples to like back this up, but it had the feeling that it was put together by somebody who had like looked at the covers of not even the covers of like great gatsby the book but just like like each adaptation each movie adaptation of the great gatsby and just like looked at the box art for those and then like made it based on that rather than any particular understanding of the gilded age or the roaring 20s or anything like that like it just was like a very surface level thing and then the like five crime families is something that doesn't really make any sense in like the context of what you do with colored mana i guess yeah i mean the flavor is always going to be off because on one hand you got like people partying and their you know clothes and stuff and then like half the cards are like there's some heist going on there's a jewel thief and there's a big score and all this stuff it's like is this like an ongoing heist movie or why are these people partying what is blue how, doing? how dangerous is this world where elspeth's card is her like reclining in a dress at a party like what is actually happening here okay judging by the flavor text everyone seems to be just really into this specific wine they've got i, I, don't, I don't understand what's going on <laughs> yes that's true and i have no idea what the story like what the plot is a miss and ultimately you know also as we talked about very few of the cards had any impact beyond like standard which isn't necessarily a huge problem on its own it it does keep it from having like a lasting impression on competitive players also the limited format was bad just hugely imbalanced too aggressive no comeback mechanisms and also, it's a three-color set that you draft as an allied color set, which is a huge miss, I think, design-wise. Yeah, but I don't... I, I agree, but it's really hard to make a, a three-color set, like, in, in general. Well, but it's a... So, you know, I think that you can design a set for limited that encourages three-color decks, where you don't have to do it every time, 
but there are payoffs for doing it and it can be actively good. It was just really bad to be anything other than an aggressive no, two color no, yeah, deck. Yeah, okay, that, that I do agree with. Yeah, it being drafting three colors was just wrong and that's not a good right. thing. Right. Like Ikoria, you know, you were not three colors all the time or probably even the majority of the time, but you could splash and that's fine and you could make good decks that way. It didn't really happen. Corey also had a hybrid mana and stuff like that, so it was a lot easier to ease your way into that. Yeah, but that's like part of the design process for making your three color set work in limited. That just didn't really happen here. You you know my feelings about multicolored sets. I hate them. I just don't like them. Yes. <laughs> they make A lot of people do though. I I don't know why. <laughs> I <laughs> it's it's the cards read really cool and they look really cool, but they are so clunky and multicolor is not a theme it's just a collection of cards like the themes in this set are like connive and treasures which are not themes <laughs> yeah it was a rough one like if you want to do a three color set people enjoyed alara because it had a really strong flavor connection like already there just do that again like you're you love going back to play and just go back to alara and do a three color set i Yes, I, I mean, we do need to go back to Alara at some point, and it pro- just if you're going to do a, a shards set, like it, it definitely feels like they could have just done that this time. There was potential in multiple places for this set that just was not met. I think the Art Deco style is something that could have been executed well, but just didn't have any substance to go along with it and felt like window dressing on like stuff that was completely unrelated to it. And, and like there were good ideas and interesting things that you could do in the limited set, but it both like made promises that it didn't deliver on and also just like fell short of allowing you to do a lot of the stuff that it looked like maybe you should be able to do because you just had to be a, a two color beat down deck or you would lose. I did really enjoy the the hybrid rares that were like mm-hmm. three colors, but you could just play them with the one color if you wanted to. Or right. two colors, like like those were those were really good. I liked those. It was just that the fixing or it was like all treasures, so you had mm-hmm. to play cards that generated your mana to play your three color cards, and it's just not worth all that. So just a losing battle. Yeah, the I mean, there were a handful of three color cards entirely located within Bant that were extremely good and worth splashing for, and that was about it. Including the Ascendancy, right? <laughs> Is that the one that was like unbeatable? Yeah, it was the other ascendancies were unplayable basically, and this one was just completely unbeatable. I, actually, all of the Bant three color cards basically were incredible. There was the double striker with a shield counter. There was Lagrella the magpie. There was the ascendancy, and they all were just like, when you saw that your blue white or green white opponent was splashing the third color, you were like, "There's some unbeatable, uncommon, or rare in their deck that's just going to crush me if they ever tried here." Or they've mess their deck building up and it's going to be very easy Uh, yeah usually give my opponents the benefit of the doubt until the end of the game but you'd rather live in fear of uh the ascendancy or what's it falco spara is that the legendary yeah if you can't do anything about it then whatever you just play but like the ascendancy is just going to beat you no matter how you play the game all right dominaria united so It's weird because I don't mind the set at all. Like I, I don't oh. like Streets of New Capenna, 
Dominaria United, I could literally forget it came out though. Like it just feels like it didn't have much going I, on. It it really does feel like a blip. There's nothing I, I agree completely. There there is nothing offensive about it in any way. It is fine. It feels a little bit like a shade of original Dominaria. I, I need to like pull up the actual set on Scryfall to like remember what's going on here. Yeah. I, I remember that my red green elf artificers in this set <laughs> that was my favorite card in that set leyline binding as well this feels like a set that could have just been released alongside you know the first dominaria like set two in a block or something i'd be like oh yeah it's part of dominaria it's those cards over there uh right. it did not really need to be like its own thing it it's not offensive or anything it's perfectly reasonable set but it's just yeah i don't know maybe it's because brothers war came out not too far after it it's just kind of eclipsed it yeah and i mean i enjoyed the limited format i like you know i love i love me an off-color kicker cost i liked building decks with weird mana requirements like that was available to you and something you were allowed to do i liked playing decks with like multiple copies of battlefly swarm in them because i love my one mana limited commons um and there there was you know, neat stuff in here. Like it brought Liliana of the Veil back and put it into Pioneer. Shieldred the Apocalypse is in this set, a lasting legacy for it. Yeah, Shieldred the Apocalypse, something you think of when you think of New Phyrexia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all the best cards are from the Phyrexia sets. Really. It, it always feels pretty bad when you like your marquee card from a set is a planeswalker a from plant. somewhere completely random or. Yeah. Uh, or like, a plant from an upcoming set. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's the best card in Thormaville Train. Oko. What's his deal? No one knows. <laughs> and we will never see him again, ever. How very Eldraine. Ooh, no, I'm looking forward to Oko too when Eldraine comes out. <laughs> was Oko not originally from Eldraine? Or is he a. We don't know. I, my assumption was that he was an Eldraine native planeswalker. It's, it's but... hard to say because he's a shapeshifter. Ah, uh, okay. He just seemed too storybooky. Maybe he just settled down on Eldraine because it all made sense to him there. I mean, he's kind of got the classic um, trickster archetype. Yeah, trickster deal going on. Yeah. I'm trying to like search for things to say about Dominaria United. I, that's the problem with the set. Like, it, it, There's nothing bad with it. It just there's nothing that remarkable about it. I think it, it serves as a bridge into phyrexia happening although dom brothers War really serves as that. a better it, bridge it just exists right? like this could have been a core set and it would have been almost equally impactful to me i think right it yeah it kind of does have a core set feel to it right like stuff is kind of toned down like i like the card that's really standing out to me is like nomada primeval warden like the multicolor like bad kalidus and it's just there and kind of doing a thing but not really gonna be playable in anything i yeah just everything feels a little bit not quite there like the world spell exists and i get to like see it 15th pick in every like cube draft that i do on arena <laughs> every now and then you remember something random like the elder dragon war or the uh the cruelty of gex exists you're like oh yeah that's it's a dominaria card because it's a saga well the Elder Dragon War, I get to first pick in my cube drafts because that card's really good. Yeah. Well, they can't all be last picks. <laughs> yes, that's true. I mean, that's fun, though. 
a last pick cube just no, like it's all of not. that it's not fun. <laughs> like, no, to, of course it's not people, magic cards need people to do start something. i'm gonna just quash that because i've heard that so many times and it's like no stop <laughs> no one wants to play all bad cards it's not fun so dominary united inoffensive reasonably forgettable the limited format was fun but not like super memorable and uh some number of five color decks later and you're like i could do something else i'm ready for a different thing yeah basically it's it's a shame because i think this like i have a lot more to say on streets new capenna just because i think it's a bad set and i'll mm-hmm. remember it way more often than i will dominate yeah it's kind of an interesting miss but <laughs> I don't know. This this is kind of like a bread and butter filler set. Like they probably have one of these a year and nobody's too mad about it, right? Like they can't all be masterpieces and there's not going to be that many disasters anymore. Yeah. Well, usually they've been one or the other <laughs> recently. <laughs> like I enjoyed the Innistrad duo. I think those were good level of sets. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but they were still notable in a way that Dominary United just isn't. And maybe that's because it's just kind of sitting along on its own there. You know, like it, it could just yeah. be a corset. Like if it were paired with something natural, I think I would remember it better. But it's I mean, the just... tropes, the tropes in the Innistrad stuff are way more memorable and like evocative. And a lot of this stuff in Dominary United, I felt like didn't deeply play into anything that would like grab you and be like oh yeah like this is what this is a thing that like got me into magic the gathering like i was a little disappointed that there were no slivers in dominary united to be honest like after it's got the whole five color thing and that they specifically teased slivers in the original or the dominaria from 2018 Mm -hmm. by not showing any card on shiv or not on heria except for the prospector which is underground yeah (laughs) Yeah, I, I think that that's exactly the kind of thing that would have elevated this set. Like, give me something that reminds me of being 12 years old and opening booster packs of Magic, right? And I, I feel like there just wasn't really any of that in this, and that's what you need in a Dominaria set. Yeah, the sagas are kind of nostalgia for lore people, but not really for people who are just playing the game. Most of us are not lore people. Yeah, exactly. Like, most of us are sliver people. And I just like the lore of slivers. <laughs> yes. Everybody does. Everybody thinks slivers are cool as hell. Like, I, I know that they're a taxing, they're an expensive thing to put in a set, right? Yeah, they, they cost really a lot of design effort and resources and, and they pull a lot of focus to them. So I don't know if slivers is exactly the thing, but something like it's, that. It's also like a thing you do. One of the problems with Dominary United I think the main problem is that it's trying to be a set that is building a narrative, but they're not doing anything with the narrative in that set. Like nothing at all. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, this is the set before the brothers War, which is things really happen. And this is the set, you know, right after Streets of New Cape which theoretically is more an important narratively than this set. Well, and that was the old f- form of magic storytelling, right? When we had blocks, it was like, this is what exists he, then set two is like the conflict and then set three is like oh no the armageddon is happening and we had that like f- six or seven different times and so yeah th- and when you don't have the block and then you have a set that's just like this is what exists then you're just like all right where, where are we going with this like dominary united could have been a set that just like 
is doing its own thing and it does not need to be part of any narrative and then you could have slivers and such because you're not beholden mm-hmm. to be like why are slivers important to phyrexia coming back and blah 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 and like shieldred's right. this set for some reason but she's not really you know, whatever <laughs> it's it's a whole weird deal a couple of cards in the set do give me a little bit of the feeling like braids is a nightmare liliana of the veil like there there are a couple of things the the two knights the two pump knights in the set i think were brilliant designs although obviously much more present in limited than in any other scan of the set but then a lot of it is just kind of there what what is the raven man what are you they they really should have just called him lashrac because mm-hmm. that is what he is and that is an old old legend from you know ice age era yeah Duel. on flavor Duel, text sorry. like call, call him the thing that appears on flavor text like oh li- yeah the raven man is limb duel yeah i didn't even know that and like i know like i have i i know cards that are named for limb duel like putting him like that's such that's a really weird choice to not you could just do limb duel common raven man you know like it's like yeah. oh that's a character from you know the card names and the flavor text yeah why why is he in dominaria united when Jaya Ballard showed up in Time Spiral, it was like, oh, damn, there's Jaya Ballard. Oh, yeah, she's in the flavor text of all the red cards. <laughs> of every red card ever printed. I, I, I don't know. That seems, like an, that seems like a really cheap, effective way of creating an evocative feeling. Yeah, it's weird that that's like, it's just locked behind the story on a website somewhere. And it didn't need to be. Like that, it was supposed to be this big reveal where it's like, oh, the Raven Man is actually Limb Duel because it's, he's it in an work, artifact though. under Liliana's home or something. It doesn't work to do it that way, though, because the only way that I and most people consume, like, your story has to be on the cards. That's what gets put in front of us, right? Is the card is the product that I consume. And if you're going to tell a story, you have to do it with the cards. Which is why the card next to. The Raven Man on the spoiler is Pilfer, which is a flavor text about tiny bones, skeleton introduced in Jumpstart. Way better. Way better flavor in the set that I can see. Yeah, exactly. I love tiny bones. Yeah, I know very little about him, but I'm cheering for him. I know he's the littlest thief in the multiverse, and that's great. I love him. <laughs> he he steals to feed his little skeleton family. I know way more about, <laughs> about tiny bones than I do about Lim Duel. Well, the Raven or the Raven Man, at least, yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit of a miss. All right, that's that's enough. I, you know, it's just like kind of disappointing because you go to Dominaria and you're like, "Give me the stuff, give me a reference to Gerard, like, give me the goods," and it didn't give you the goods. I... Yeah, it's it's weird because I think Dominaria is more of a a feel than like it doesn't need to all be callbacks and stuff like the the whole multicolored thing they have on the set is good it's like good gameplay and it's very classic mm-hmm. dominaria yeah it's and just domain like, brings you back to that feeling for and, sure and but just all the flavor things and the references and stuff they tried to do are just like i this is not super what the set's about <laughs> right like do sagas need to be in a set no i see honestly to me the sagas are the best some of the best stuff in the set but are they the best cards, or do they fit the set? Uh, th- what I mean is, like, they they are the closest ones to, like, they do the most, like, world building and storytelling. I mean, because they're sagas, and that's what they do. But they they are the, the best feeling of the cards in the set, 
for the most part. Okay. I don't think I agree for this specific set, but maybe I can't see past what the stories, the sagas are referencing. Like, I think it would have been cooler if all of the sagas in the set related to the Brothers War because we were about to go there. Like, you've got Yosha declares war and Urza assembles the, I guess that's an invasion one, Urza assembles the Titans. But you could have just had like a bunch of different notes of the Brothers War as the sagas, which is the set you're you know, coming up to and as a huge part of Dominus history. I think that would have hit better for me. I wonder, I wish there were a way to design Urza assembles the Titans that doesn't make it such like an eye roll of a card every time you see it in a pack of cards. A saga that sometimes draws planeswalkers. Not a compelling card design. Do you know what Love Song of Night and Day is? Like, does that... Yeah, it was on a lot of flavor texts. From where? From what? Do you remember? I don't know. Weatherlight-ish era? It is that era, but it's specifically Mirage and Visions flavor text. Okay. Like that whole continent. Mm -hmm. uh, just in-world poem. That's all it is. I don't know. I didn't hate seeing that on a card. Oh, I think it's it. a cool callback. It's just like... That doesn't mean anything here. Like, the context is so weird for this set. It is. It, it feels just a little not grounded. Also, can't forget Sarah Paragon, the card whose rule text doesn't work and you just have to sort of hand wave it. I... That's a, a minor issue that I don't actually care about at all. But on to Brothers War, though. Uh, Brothers War fucks. I'm down with Brothers it's War. It's so good. It's, it's such a shame Kamigawa came out this year because Brothers War would be the best set in a lot of years. <laughs> yes. But, right. But what, like, you know... A disappointing set, a boring, uh, a relatively boring set, and then two of just the best sets we've seen in a long time. Like, it's a good year. These sets are excellent. Brothers War, a, a home run. The best part about the Brothers War 2 is it's very, like, self-contained while being kind of open. Like, it, it's, we know artifact sets are all coming up next year. Mm -hmm. But the whole premise of this set is you're just building up giant mechs and just smashing them into each other. And it feels like that when you play the game. <laughs> yeah. As up to and including all of the schematic artifacts being draftable and such. Like, that's really cool. And it's like, it gives the feeling, you know, Brothers were super old. So you're like, open a card and it's oh, a worm coil engine. That's something Urza would build. Goes in my deck now. Yeah. And the fact that they, like, made a limited set that the Icker Wellsprings and Chromatic Stars that you open are actively excellent and you can put them in your deck and do stuff with it is just beautiful. I love this limited format. I know that it's it can be pretty aggressive, but I have cast a lot of 10-mana 10-10s in this format. And there's just a lot of ways to play these games. There's a lot of ways that they happen. And a huge number of these cards have uses. And I just, I, this limited format is so cool. And it feels like you are playing Magic in the Brothers War. Like for what, I don't know how to like exactly describe the feeling or whatever, but like I am making power stones and using them to cast stuff. I am just like shuffling resources around in the game. And it, I don't know, it just feels good. No, yeah, it, it is. It's Power Stones were skeptical and like kind of a bad part of Dominaria United. Mm -hmm. Like it just didn't yeah. make sense. But in this set, it's very important and really good and it feels nice. 
Uh, also, there's some weird cross synergies too. Not just like Chromatic Star or Wicker Wellspring are really good because you can utilize them, but uh, weird stuff like um, Self Assembler, the the four four that gets an assembly worker. There's just like assembly workers in this set. <laughs> yes. So this random card that is from this card Aladesh. that could only search for itself and you had to like get multiples and now it's like a whole different card I, that's a really neat thing i remember someone discussing like oh self-assembler i'm never gonna find another one because you know in kaladesh you could only get another self-assembler yeah but you could you could just get any of the power plant workers the power plant tower mine whatever those are all assembly workers and the white guy is an assembly the prototype white guy is also an assembly worker mm -hmm. uh, but rare i think but it's cool, like, because I, I also would have kind of shortcutted the card like that. Oh, self-assembler grabs another self-assembler, but it, it doesn't. It grabs assembly workers specifically. Yep. I love casting Stern Lesson. Draw two, discard a card, create a tap Power Stone token. That's very satisfying when you're doing the thing. It has a lot of synergies. I have cast a lot of Gix's Caress, which is a coercion that makes a Power Stone that you just... If you use power stones, you want to generate them and you find ways to do I, it. I think Unearth was really a good hit in this set. Like it is a mm -hmm. very flavorful keyword for like what they're doing. The whole digging up artifacts. Literally and stuff. digging up artifacts, yeah. And it also plays into the I'm using, I'm bringing every last drop out of every resource I've got because we're trying to win this war. Right, exactly. And we're doing it with things that we have discovered and are trying to like uh, you know are using them maybe not for their intended purposes but they these artifacts are so wild and so out of proportion with what our actual technology is that you know you you use them for what you can i don't know man I, yeah i love unearth i love that it only appears on artifacts i love that it is colored costs on colorless cards so you cast your Ashnod's Harvester on turn two, and then sometime later in the game, when you get your black mana, you unearth it. These cards just play out really well. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> Honestly, the and the meld cards, I think, are all super cool, too. The big Urza, big Mishra, and yeah. I guess they gave green one, too, like, just to complete it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're Yeah, they're big, stupid cards, and I haven't... I don't think I've actually melded anything yet, but... You know, the meld, dream is there. A meld is one of the best, like, draft or limited mechanics because it doesn't come up that often, but when it does, it feels really good. I had a Dragon Engine Mishra deck, but... and played the maximum number of games with it, but never successfully melted the two, and that was a pretty, pretty big bummer. The only parts of the set I don't like is actually the like the anachronistic cards the teferi the sihili the reality anchor those cards just because like mm -hmm. they're cool cards i think i have nothing wrong with them they just kind of take you out of the whole brothers yeah. war deal i mean the story is that like teferi goes back in time to the brothers war right so that's like yeah. how this happens i guess but yeah it, i think i mostly just ignore those cards yeah and you can it's just it would be, I think, a perfect self-contained set without those three mm -hmm. cards. Yeah, that's fair. But the Sahili is such a cool design that I'm not mad oh, no, about it being great. here. Yeah. <laughs> the cards are good. I have no problem with the actual cards. The Reality Anchor, despite not really being playable anywhere, is a super cool card. Uh, it's the one with, like, uh, yes. Scrys. Every, every time 
I have had an opponent cast the reality anchor against me in limited, I've thought like, oh crap, how do I beat this amount of card advantage? And then I like hover over their deck and I'm like, oh, they're just going to deck themselves. There's no way that they can beat me in time with that thing. <laughs> they're, they're, it's done. They have to exile it's, those cards on the bottom. <laughs> it's over. Yeah, prototype is an excellent like home run mechanic too. I agree. It's super flavorful and evocative and it is fun to put these cards into your limited deck. I, I might like the Brothers War long term more than Kamigo and Neon Dynasty, but I don't know how much of that is like my bias towards artifacty stuff. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and also like old story nostalgia, right? And, and yeah, exactly. To put this right next to Dominary United and like compare how it's giving you these, you know, references to old storylines and landmarks and things that you know but here is a new take on them just the gap in execution between the two right next to each other uh, is pretty stark i have started redesigning my artifact cube and it's because of this upcoming year sets and the brothers war was like kind of the catalyst for it because there's so many cool cards and they all work in a way that playing with them feels good mm -hmm. uh that like makes the set really really good to me yeah yeah, and you actually have, like, green cards that interact with artifacts that are not just naturalizing them. Yeah, and green artifacts. And green artifacts, yeah. Granted, the best one in a set is still Haywire Might, but, you know, you take what you can get. Well, <laughs> whenever they create a naturalized specifically for constructed play, that card becomes extremely good, especially in an artifact cube. Luckily, luckily it can't kill creatures, which is nice. Yeah, right, which is very important in your cubing with artifact. Like, that's a, a big difference in power level of a naturalized effect yeah in, in limited formats you typically want to get rid of their guys yes. yeah i also enjoy a set where like you can just main deck disenchants and stuff like that oh for sure i'm, I'm just scrolling through like you know the set has only been out for so long but i have so many good memories of games and decks and and things with just like several a, a lot of these cards like levitating statue to put that in a set with mightstone's animation and create this little mini combo that you can put together really cool like the first time somebody did that to me i was like oh oh my god i didn't think about that and then i started actively drafting towards that synergy and just that like tiny little thing changed how i was drafting the format and there's a lot of little things like that a portal to phyrexia a card that like shouldn't be good given how aggressive this format can be but you can make it work you can make your deck like lug this nine mana artifact around and jam it into play and win every game that you draw it in a delightful set for limited and like an evocative flavorful set and a, a good number of constructed cards a lot of the constructed cards are there on the basis of being jammed into card and sideboards but we can forgive that on the other qualities of the set my favorite little clue the combat career oh my god this comes from a, dis a distinguished line of excellent one mana couriers that i like what a delightful card honestly yeah i i like this set a lot the combat courier is what parcel mirror should have been mm. which is the clue mirror yeah uh yeah no combat courier like the best or second best blue common in the set and that's really delightful for a little one mana one one artifact creature yeah it does a lot i like i just enjoy that stuff like energy refractor uh, washing your power stone mana into casting spells like just all these little cute things and then like you said the cherry on top the blueprint artifacts 
just being even the ones that don't have like text and function on their own, like all for the most part function with cards in the set in some way, just like a really nice cohesive experience. I, I think, yeah, I think what makes a set so good is that the mechanics are so adaptable mm -hmm. and there's a lot of discovery that goes on there. Sure. Like even when you have the might stone, the weak stone, for instance, you, you kind of evaluate it as like a removal spell or a card draw spell that like maybe you use the mana to cast artifacts. Spells. Mm -hmm. And then you realize when you're looking at yours, oh, you can just use it to activate Urza's ability to meld. Yeah. Like that's something you can do. And there's like a lot of stuff like that that you can use on Earth to, you know, power up your sacrifice stuff out of the red black uh, nonsense. You can use the chronic stars to put them up. You can channel power stones into the the prismatic lens that you were talking about right right lots of cool stuff repair and recharge five mana sorcery return target artifact enchantment or planeswalker card from your graveyard to the battlefield that's terrible right an artifact enchantment or a planeswalker wait but i already have three prototype guys that i'm putting in my deck here and i might get more if i play one trade it off in combat and then bring it back as the seven or ten mana version is that something like can i make that work in this deck is this like a little mini synergy that i can do maybe there's and there's a lot of those things in this set there's sort of the meekas in this set isn't in the retro thing? yeah that one is tough to make playable to be honest that yeah it is and it it's kind of rude too because it's got the whole there's a bunch of one one soldiers things in a set but it's hard to get rid of the sword and the sword makes you think that maybe they reprinted the object foundry even though they just did, they not. did not do that <laughs> so that one's a little cruel but I, I do like this set. It's, it's the best. Yeah, it rules. We have shared a lot of our thoughts on the RCQ system as it exists now, the first regional championship, thoughts on how to improve the system. Uh, I don't know how much of that we really want to go deep into now, but it is part of the look back on the year is organized play came back. We played some of it is not the same as before. It is not as inspiring to a lot of people as we've seen by the rcq numbers the attendance numbers in some cases but there's a decent number of people playing regionals was fun it exists now and that's better than it not existing i guess i think for me the problem with the rcqs and such is kind of the like a pro tour waiting syndrome mm -hmm. like you kind of just want to wait and see what the pro tour is going to be agree and how good it's going to be and how desirable it's going to be to like try even doing that because as it stands the the rcqs are kind of expensive loaded with prizes like lanyards and stuff like you don't really care about <laughs> and you still have to like once you win one of these i was at uh, the one that uh, one of our friends won and the top four was just, all right, who's going to California? Who's buying a plane ticket to California? Right. And three of the people just weren't going to do that. So the fourth person won. Yeah. And that's, you, you have made the prize low value at that point, if that's what's happening. Right. And that's not to go to the Pro Tour. That's to go to the RC. Right. The An Anaheim. It was Anaheim at the time, but I think it's San Diego mm -hmm. now. Something like that. Which honestly, like, moves the needle a little more for me. It makes me want to go that much more san diego is just a much better place to be than anaheim generally sure, but it's I've never been just as expensive to get there yeah for, it, not too much difference from a flight's perspective it might be easier to get 
to San Diego. To, I'm not actually sure. Mm, probably pretty similar because of the like sure. tourism flights to Disneyland. So, you know. Oh, that's okay. Sure. So if if the pro tour, to, sorry to finish my oh, thought, <laughs> if, like if the pro tour does end up being like this cool, desirable thing that Watsi puts a good production on and people watch, and they're like, you know, it's supposed to be aspirational. You play in these tournaments so that you can play at the pro tour. Yeah. But people don't know what that means right now. It's just like kind of this nebulous thing, right? Because the pro tour is definitely not going to be what it was, you know, ten years ago. What's it going to be? No one knows. Yeah. Wait, what was the, what is the thing they had? The big thing they had this year? Was it like a 30th anniversary? Oh, the Las Vegas tournament? There was a level of production value to that whole thing. You know, with the like, the settings that you could take pictures in and play magic in. Although it seemed like that didn't work out great. Because that was like, you had to have a special EDH ticket to play magic in the fancy spots. And a lot of people just weren't doing that. But if they can push some of that like prestige and production value into the pro tour and make it feel like that sort of experience, then, you know, I, I think we could have something pretty cool on our hands, something desirable that makes you want to uh, participate in the system. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for, for the RCQs. Cause I, I mean, my, my pro tour aspirations are rock bottom Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but I, I just don't feel like going in unless it's to the very local events to any RCQ with that's going to be like kind of overpriced to a tournament I don't particularly want to play in. Like it's just where's my where's my drive? Come on, Watsi, you got to give me something. Yeah, and I mean we are still the system is in its infancy, so I'm willing to hold my breath a little longer and and see what how the Pro Tour plays out and. Uh, ideally would like to see some improvements to the qualifying path. I'm not ready to like demand overhauls of any of like the qualification method or anything like that, but I would like a little bit more tweaking. I would love if the RCQ calendars were set like at the beginning of the season, because it is difficult to keep up and figure out when tournaments are going to be. And also to like manage my schedule because I have other obligations and, knowing when these Saturday these tournaments that take an entire Saturday or Sunday, knowing when they are ahead of time is very helpful. I would love more format-based seasons so we can all kind of unite as a gaming group around getting ready for standard season, pioneer season, modern season. Those are those are things that would be really nice that I don't think we're going to get, but I would love if we did. Yep. I, I mean I, I agree. I I think this pro tour upcoming pro tour is super important and i i hope they pull it off i really do yep. i guess that kind of transitions us into looking forward to the new year rather than looking back on the last year uh, we are looking forward to that pt hoping that it is something i'm definitely looking forward to all of the phyrexia based sets on the horizon i am looking forward to them as well like that's it's my favorite plane I just, I'm worried it might get a little too much. Like having three sets on the same place mm -hmm. all in a row is like never been that great. And I think we're getting four. <laughs> it is the coolest place. So a little, There's a lot of weird, a little gross stuff that they can do with Phyrexians that is cool. 
yeah, I'm 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 super optimistic. I I really like Phyrexia. I'm just like kind of nervous. I might get sick of it by the end, and I don't want that to happen. Yeah, I mean, it is possible to overdo something, and I'm just fingers crossing that certainly. I I just hope that that doesn't happen. I think that there is enough meat there that they don't necessarily have to have like run the well dry like the to to just completely mix metaphors uh i i I think that there is enough there that the meat well you know yes which is definitely (laughs) a thing on phyrexia so exactly it's probably a legendary like landmark (laughs) or something yeah and as long as we get to the meat well uh at some point then we'll know that they're coming up with fresh ideas so and they did pick like the broadest mechanical theme which is is you know Mm -hmm. I don't want to say hard to go wrong with because, you know, history, right, but right, right. <laughs> it it is it does have a lot of space to go right. Yeah. Like we've seen with Rose War and Kamigawa, I guess, to some extent. Yeah. Especially if you put colored mana gating on your artifacts, then artifacts become just a, like a whole well of creativity without having to create these very restrictive design like worries. Yeah, that's probably what made the Brothers War possible. Yeah. The fact that. You know, despite no color artifacts being in the set, air quotes, right. uh, you know, most of them are. <laughs> I have a note here that the Magic the Gathering TV show's release is currently 2023, but it was 2022 before. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wonder why you put this in the show. Is this something you're like looking forward to? It's just a thing that I'm, I think is really, really funny that it's a concept that exists and supposedly has like Brandon Ruth playing Gideon and he like had to come and announce it. And I, if this happens, if this actually happens, I think it'll be like one of the funnier things that's happened in magic. And if it doesn't happen, I think I'll be really disappointed because I want to see because it's going to be so bad. Like this can't possibly be good. So I will be flabbergasted. I I will watch it the first episode of this for sure. Oh, I'll like, watch the whole thing, out, which is probably not going to be, be whatever. Furious the entire time. I I cannot imagine it's going to be good at all. Like it's just so hard for me to imagine that. I. The the idea For of reference. making this like a live action Netflix show is just such a mind boggling set of decisions to me. Just make it an animation. Make it a make it ten minute animated episodes on YouTube that like five episodes come out each set or something like that, and like tell your set stories through these short high quality animation like. It just seems like such an easy home run for like, here's how we deliver our story. And I don't I don't know why you would do it this way. I think that it should be directly attached to the actual product and game of Magic the Gathering and just be a, an additional storytelling tool. And it's so goofy to me that it's like, we're going to make a Netflix show that's like kind of similar to the storyline of the game. Stop doing this stuff. I watched the Dota 2 uh netflix anime uh fully convinced it was going to be terrible because that game is a it's a mess like it's it's yeah it's it's just garbage it's thematically and the story is whatever because it's a mod that's just like the the characters are are all like fan designed characters basically but it was like pretty good and i was very surprised about it 
And that's something like, you know, Valve and the Studio Mirror, that's something I could see them pulling off. Sure. Watsi? No. no. There's no, no. not a chance. No, no, no. We're not getting Arcane out of this. That's not happening. Yeah, Arcane's a good one, too. I, I just think it's fun. Cause I just like saw that on a timeline as I was scrolling through trying to figure out what we were supposed to talk about. And that one just made me laugh out loud enough that I had to to put it on the list. Uh, for us, though, not not Watsy stuff. Uh, so I am in a weird spot right now. My full time job ended at the end of last year because uh, I was working for a judge who did not win her re-election or her election campaign. So probably could have found a way to stay in state government and like working at the court that I was working at, but I have elected to do some other stuff. I am doing some solo practice attorney work. I have some, some stuff locked up and I'm trying to get some more done, but also I'm trying to focus a little bit more on some content stuff. One of those things is I'm going to be trying to improve the podcast and uh, set up kind of a, more deliberate schedule for things and uh, have guests for specific topics and kind of get that set up ahead of time and be a little more organized about stuff. Uh, I am also likely to start streaming a little bit. And I think the conversation that we had with Ash really has made me start thinking about my approach to magic and what I want to change about it. And so I'm kind of hoping to do a little bit of streaming that is focused on kind of that very deliberate approach to practicing and slowing down and talking through lines and figuring out what's in the opponent's hand and going back and watching replays. So probably not the most entertaining stream you've ever seen in your life, but hopefully some people will find it useful and going to be looking for guests and people to help out with that sort of content. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited about the time I'm going to be able to put into making magic stuff this year. And so that's just something that I am looking forward to. Thanks. I, it makes me really sad that it's so difficult to get a calendar for, you know, organization purposes. I, like it's yeah, monumentally difficult. It is. And especially just like putting together, like, like one thing that I like to have on my magic calendar is like obviously tournaments, upcoming tournaments, including RCQs. That's hard. I want to have like the arena events so I can just kind of get a feel for like, okay, what are people going to be thinking about at any given time? But like there's multiple different arena calendars and they're all incomplete and they're really inconsistently updated. And it's hard to see like when I was trying to look at for the cube open like when do we get cube when is the open and it looked at two different arena calendars on the arena website and neither of them had either when we got the cube or the cube open itself on them i i don't know where to look for this stuff i don't know what i'm missing but like i'm not confident at any point that i know like when everything is happening on arena once he makes so much money it's so hard for me to believe that they still haven't upgraded anything from the mid 2000s yeah but they haven't they did revamp i remember from hearing this on the arena decklist podcast that this made the the wiki timeline that they like revamped their site and moved servers or something like that and then it just broke a ton of links including a lot of the wiki's links just don't work anymore and they don't know how to fix it 
old content disappeared from the site so a bunch of the stuff oh yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. a bunch of the stuff that the wiki linked to just kind of doesn't exist anymore like the old because that that website started in like what like torment something yeah like something that? the original well magic website and all the articles they had weekly columns like every day mm. for like a decade yeah. there's a lot of information on some of those and they just vanished they're gone now yeah which is sad it is it's unfortunate for sure but it's referenced in wikis people could be making up the information and just linking to something that doesn't exist yeah <laughs> yep at one point mark Rosewater said yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from this article from 2007 <laughs> i don't want to get too into all of the other stuff we've we've talked plenty about thousand dollar booster packs and bank of america downgrading hasbro stock and that is all last year stuff this is 2023 now chris we're we're gonna upgrade the hasbro stock and we're gonna make five fifteen hundred dollar packs wait that's the wrong direction (laughs) no it's no reason to go over watsi's businesses decisions uh, which I suspect a lot of Hasbro leanings has to deal with that. And, you know, they're big corporations going to incorporate. Yeah, not a lot we can do about it. They didn't learn the lessons from just, the cyberpunk set. Just kind of get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one suspiciously missing any sort of critiques. Yeah, that one. <laughs> not that suspicious, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anything else you want to bring up going into the new year? Uh, let me look my let's see because my new year my magic stuff has been very light on the back half of 2022 and i would like to play more magic i did a draft right before the holidays just to like play some magic at some point and i'm really looking forward to the new phyrexia the phyrexia sets Mm -hmm. just in general i think they, they have an opportunity but no matter how good like limited stuff is, if I can't play a constructed format that I'm happy with, I it's really hard for me to like hold on to all the cards at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've not enjoyed modern in quite some time. Despite Breach being a really good deck, I just think and and enjoyable. It's not fun enough to what ev- like relative to what everyone else is doing, and it it kind of feels like a slog sometimes. Especially if you play against uh, Rectos. <laughs> and then and Pioneer is just still miserable. They have not fixed that format the way I want it to be. And those are the formats I could play. Like those are the only two. Yeah. I am hoping for I I don't know. And and maybe this is just like how, how every time somebody complains about something like in real life, my like brain is just like well, the reason that things are bad is because we aren't progressive enough. And so, like, I have my solutions that I want to apply to every problem, and maybe sometimes it's not quite that. But, like, my solution that I want to apply to uh, the these, like, you know, formats not being fun and also standard is not a thing is, like, have more eyes on a format at a specific time by making like format based seasons and then curating them intensely during those seasons and then that becomes like it helps to solve the problem 
I just want that anyways. I don't know if that would actually help solve the, like, I'm not really having fun playing these formats problem. It, it, it's a different issue. Like, I think that would be better just in a, like having everyone work on the same format and as a season, it would be better in a like cohesion sense. Like if everyone's playing standard to use the standard example, for some reason, then at least you have like a defined metagame you know your place you know what you can do in it and all that stuff and like you you're attack you're playing the game from that angle mm-hmm. the, what i'm talking about is less of that and more of a the cards that they're allowing me to play with that I, i'm just not enjoying that much yeah that's fair hopefully we get some fun ones in the new sets that are playable and make some changes yeah i, I hope so too i love portal to phyrexia i think that card's super cool <laughs> i would love to get any little pieces for some cute little artifact decks in modern or whatnot or just unban kethis so i could play a bad plaza hero decks and pioneer that'd be great. I, the, the kethis unban has to happen how many pizza boxes do i need to send to watsi with unban kethis on it it worked for felidar guardian <laughs> or whatever it was <laughs> uh yeah we'll see it definitely would be the like third best combo deck in a format where nobody plays combo decks so yeah like it, it's just i just like the cart it's this weird bad mid-range bad combo deck and it's very fun and i have mana fixing now <laughs> all right yeah i think that's good i think we talked about everything i wanted to talk about yeah i'm i'm cool like i'm looking forward to the magic the gathering tv show that's coming out this I'm year i'm so excited for it <laughs> If there's anything you can take away from this episode, it's that Brothers War is it's great. And you should be looking forward to the, the TV show. Two things, yeah, that's it. Those are the only two things that matter. Those are the two things. Great. All right, thanks everybody so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. Have a great year. Wow, we send it real big on the first episode. Huh? Well, it's the first episode of the year. <laughs> I was just, you know. Put, what are we going to say for the rest of putting the Putting good vibes out there. Well, the rest are just have a great week, because that's all they apply for. But this is the beginning of the year episode. All right. Yeah, get, get off to a good start. Have a great yeah. year. Great. Bye. Bye. Bye.